episode 46 with Jonathan Weld on the Nine Point Start With A Dream podcast. Welcome to Nine Point Started With A Dream podcast. Our goal is to showcase the stories of athletes and the community that supports them by being authentic about their journey. Here's your host, Jacoby Gillum. Yo, welcome back to the podcast. I'm host as always, Jacoby Gillum. This episode, we have Jonathan Wells. Um, Jonathan is a former running back from the Ohio State University. He played for the Houston Texans and now entrepreneur. We go through his journey. He, he really just kind of keeps it real and authentic with it about, you know, the good and the bad, the ups and the downs that he faced and overcame and where he's heading. So a lot of value here in his journey and like his story just in, in that one decision that really changed, changed his NFL career. So I hope you enjoyed the episode and kind of really learn from his journey and get some value from it. So let's get to it. So, Jonathan, the question I ask everyone that comes on is, when you're younger as an athlete, what was one of your bigger dreams and goals you want to achieve? Um, you know, we all kind of had that fairy tale about potentially playing in the NFL. You know, when I was a kid, I looked up the guys. I played running back, so I looked up the guys like um, uh, Emmitt Smith, uh, you know, uh, uh, Thurman Thomas, you know, Eddie George. You know, these were some of the guys that I tried to model my game after. So, you know, we had that 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 vision of potentially one day playing, but it's so far off. You know, I, I – I went to one of the best high schools in America, John Curtis Christian School down in New Orleans, Louisiana. Um, you know, we won 27 state championships. I was able to win three championships in high school. So, you know, my coach did a great job of just keeping us in the moment. You know, it was one practice, one play, one day, one game at a time. You know, so I didn't really have the, the luxury of looking forward to, you know, 10, 15 years from now. I just concentrated on getting better every day, every practice, and being the best player that I could be and dominating where I was um, And then ultimately, you know, as I started to become a sophomore, started started about eight games as a freshman on varsity, sophomore started, junior started, I started to realize that, okay, I'm at least going to play in the college level. So, you know, once I got to that, you know, I pretty much made my decision was easy. I decided to go to, um, you know, the Ohio State University. Um, and it was a pretty easy decision for me, you know, after watching guys like Eddie George, um, I just I just wanted to play there. You know, he was a big running back, 6'3", 235 pounds in college. I was coming out of high school at 225 pounds playing tailback. So, you know, it just was a great fit for me. Um, so, you know, we all have that dream, but I think it's a day-by-day process that you have to lock into to even have an opportunity to be a part of that 2%. So to go back on that, that day-by-day process, that 2%, you know, what helped you keep that mindset? Because I know I meet a lot of athletes through the nine through nine points that have this big dream and they're so, you know, far ahead in the dream that they don't know how to get through that spring training or, you know, or, or you know, get through the off season. So how do you, what do you say advice to that? I would have to say, man, I, I was blessed. You know, I, I lived in, you know, one of the rougher areas in New Orleans, but I was able to go to a high school like the one I'm telling you about. You know, I, I actually, I got a scholarship to go there. So, being able to change my environment on a day-to-day basis and be coached by such a great coach, a great leader, a great man in JT Curtis, um, he taught me just, like I say, to focus on the task at hand. You know, now, if I would have went to the high school that I was probably originally supposed to go to, we may not be sitting here right now because, honestly, all the kids I went to elementary school with, junior high school with, they're either dead or they're in jail. Like literally 90% of my friends, I know we all say, but I, I can literally point to at least 90% of my friends are dead or have been in jail for long periods of time. So had I went to that high school with them, I wouldn't have had that focus. I wouldn't have had that determination. I probably would have got lazy, might have started smoking, doing other things. But since I was able to go to a high school like I went to, 
our sole mission was just being a good person, dominating on the field. And I just fell in love with the sport of football and really took it serious and knew that this could get me out of my situation one day. Once you got to Ohio State, did, 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 the, did the journey get real or did the journey like, you know, said, okay, this is another stage for me to accomplish? It was never too big for me, you know, like playing on the level that I played in high school. Like it was just, you know, guys were a little bit bigger. They were a little bit faster. You know, when I came in as a freshman, I had some of the most hype that they had seen around there. Um, and I lived up to my hype. I played in every game. We were number one in the country my freshman year for 11 straight weeks. I played in every game as a true freshman. Um, I had a really good year. I was on the special teams doing my thing. So it was never too big for me. Um, it just I just looked at it as another opportunity. I went in there with a chip on my shoulder, like, hey, I deserve to be here. You know, and from my first day of practice, when we put on pads, I'm looking for the biggest guy out here who happened to be Andy Katzenmoyer, 6'5", 260-pound linebacker who had just won the buckets the year before. So my first day of practice as a freshman, we we doing goal line. My coach like, hey, get in, rookie. You know what I mean? He's going to put me in against the number one defense. Like, I'm not going to be able to carry my weight. So goal line, toss pitch to the left. Bam, drop on, run clean over him. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm in here. You know, I'm, you know what I mean? So that was my attitude, and I got my respect from day one, and, and those guys embraced me and took me into the family. It was never a problem. So you say it's never too big for you. And so so what gave you that hunger? Because it, it, it's not something you're just born with. You know, I think it's sometimes like, it's like a mentality you kind of like really just kind of build over time. So what, what, what gave you that? Um, The honest with you, man, like I found football – at a perfect time in my life. I started, like I said, I started playing when I was seven years old. That same year, my older brother, who was 12 years old, committed suicide in my home, mm -hmm. okay? So that's a, just a crazy time for me and my family, you know? So I found football at that time. I'm playing tackle football. So, you know, I'm sure I was frustrated. I was mad at the world, you know? So now I get an opportunity to go out here and take my frustrations out on other people legally. It's an outlet. Yeah, so I just continued to build on that. I just fell in love with all sports. I continued to play and continue to excel. But once again, I have to give the props to my high school coach, J.T. Curtis, and his staff. Dude, we don't play about football. We work hard. We, when people were sleeping in the summer, we were doing three-a-days. My strength coach or is Tommy Moffitt. Tommy Moffitt has won a national championship with Miami University. LSU, he's won multiple championships, and he won a championship with Tennessee. So he's won multiple championships on the college level. This was my high school strength coach. So the stuff that guys were doing in college, I was doing in eighth grade. So that's why I was able to take such a big leap between eighth grade and ninth grade. I gained 140 pounds. Of, I gained uh, 40 pounds of muscle in one summer from eighth grade to ninth grade. That's how I was able to start on varsity. So I have to give all of that to my coaching staff, my teammates, and my high school coach for putting that inside of me and just understanding, you know, we, we don't lose here. That That's not acceptable. I love that mentality. You know, it's just like, I'm like, it's like, it's almost like that dog mentality. Like, you know, what, oh, yeah. like, like we going to get it. You straight know, like, killers. like I, as I said, we football killers, like straight up. You know, I ain't talking about no gangster stuff. I'm not talking about none of that. But when it comes to this game of football, we killers, man. I ain't trying to hear nothing. Period. You, you're in front of me. I'm, I'm running you over type stuff. That's it. And we listen, we only ran three plays. We ran a veer. So we're not doing nothing fancy. We coming straight downhill. Right. Like, stop it. <laughs> stop it. And you're not I, gonna stop it all day. It's just not gonna happen. And it's like it's like it's like I dare you to. Yeah, it's not gonna happen. Nah, not not oh, all. Man. You might stop me one game, but my other boy gonna get off. You might stop him, then I'm gonna get off. Or the quarterback gonna get off. That's the beauty of the beer option. You gotta stop three people at all times, and it's it's, it's impossible. 
from the junior high, so I, I get it, yeah. yeah. You know? <laughs> you know? That's what's up. Let me ask you this, man. So if, if you wrote a book about your journey, what would you call it? Um, actually, I am in the process of writing a book. It's called Breaking the Curse. Breaking the Curse. Breaking the Curse. You know, like I come from a family of alcoholism. I come from a family of drugs. I come from a family of just, you know, a lot of not great things. I come from a, fam a family of financially being poor. Like, you know, just the mentality, it, that's just what it is in my family. So I'm still in my process of trying to break that curse. I broke that curse by being you know, the first player in my family to go to a college. I broke that by the first player to go to the NFL. So there's things that I've already accomplished, but I'm nowhere near where I want to be, especially not in the business world. So I'm still in the middle of my journey. I'm still on my grind, but I still had that killer mentality to where I'm not going to lose. I'm going to figure it out. I might fail today, but I'm going to continue to figure it out until I get to where I want to be. You know what I mean? So I, I'm working on a book right now called Breaking the Curse. Definitely. I love that just because that phrase – Get home for a lot, a lot, a lot of people. Yeah, and, and another thing, I, I call it breaking the curse because my senior year at Ohio State, which was Jim Trestle's first year at Ohio State, we hadn't beat Michigan at Michigan since 1987. Now, this is 2001, so it had been 11 years since we had one up there. And I went up there, had a big game my senior year, and we upset them. And, uh, you know, since that day, we've been 16-2 and two against Michigan. So we completely broke the curse against the team up north, and now it's been all in Ohio State's favor since my senior year. So, so, so I feel like with you, your, your, your mentality is almost like, I want to leave a legacy. Yes. Yes. Um, I want to leave a legacy, but I also want to get really, really wealthy. I think that I can just help more people. I want to make a lot of money. You know what I mean? I'm, I, I'm, I'm still in the process of change, shifting my paradigm shifting my the way I think about money all I do is study by a proctor like I'm anybody who can teach me how to how to really make money in the business world football was different because I could do it with my physical strength and I and I was blessed and gifted to do that I didn't have anybody to teach me business when I was a kid nobody talked to me about credit nobody talked to me about tax nobody talked to me about none of that so as soon as I got out of the NFL I just went into I knew one thing I don't want to work for nobody like, I've had an opportunity to make a couple million dollars before I'm 26 years old. I'm not going backwards to get a nine to five. I'm going to figure this entrepreneurship thing out to where I can surpass what I did on the football field. And I don't care what I'm going through. That's my mentality. I still want to get to where I, what I was doing because I've already shown myself I can do it before. I just, I just, want, to, I just want to control my time. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I, I really don't feel like you can get wealthy by working for someone else. You can do it for a period of time. That's fine. You know what I mean? But I'm always figuring out how I can own something and how I can take this thing and get it to the masses to make me some real money to where when I'm 40, 50, 60 years old, I have something to leave to my children's children. That's my only thing on my mind is what can I leave to my children's children right now? I love that, man. Love it. Love the mindset. And so, so going back to that you know, time at Ohio State, you know, it's the journey for you. It's the, it's the next chapter. How, how was that journey and that process to another thing that I'm one step away from that next level? Man, my, my career at Ohio State was a real up and down journey. I came in on a super high note. Uh, freshman year went as, as freshman year, I couldn't have wrote a book better than how it went. I ended up going back home and playing in the Sugar Bowl after we were number one in the country for 11 weeks. We go home, we win the Super Bowl, the Super, I mean, I'm sorry, the Sugar Bowl, and I got 60 of my family and family members there. Um, you know, it was storybook. 
come back. I have one of the best offseason that they ever seen in Ohio State history. First game of the year against Miami University. I get a high ankle sprain. So now I'm out four weeks. I come back. I'm limping around for a couple of games. I didn't really get my groove back till two games left in the season. And we had a terrible season. When I got hurt, the season went boom. We tanked. So we went from number two in the country to six and six the next year. Right. So we fell off a cliff. And we that's probably that might be the worst season Ohio State's ever seen. So I was a part of that. You know, we came back, we bounced back, we got it together. Next couple of years, we did okay, eight and three. And, you know, then we switched coaches. Um, and Jim Trestle came in, and that was the shifting of the whole, the whole uh, the whole university when we brought him because he came in with a new mentality. He came in just with a new everything, new game plan. He was more of a hands-on mentor for the players. It was just everything was different from Coach John Cooper, another great coach, Hall of Fame coach, not taking anything away from Cooper. I'm just talking about the different styles of how they approached it. Coach Cooper was more of an NFL coach. He kind of let his, his assistant coaches do everything, and, you know, you only saw him when you was in trouble pretty much. Tress took me in first day. Hey, meet me in my office tomorrow. Watch every every play with me from my junior year. He set me right one on one every morning. We watched every play from my junior year, and he actually just coached me up play by play by play by play. So I, I just took a, a loving to him when he was able to show that time of type of commitment and time to me. And you know that's why we're still friends till this day. Was was getting Coach Trestle almost like having that having having like your high school coach again? The exact same thing. The exact same. And they're both initial JT. Jim Trestle, John Curry, JT Curtis. So they're both JTs and both have the same family structure, hands-on mentality. They're exactly the same people on different levels. Absolutely. Funny how the world kind of comes around sometimes, you know? Exactly. <laughs> so you're going through your senior year, you know, this is like the year that you really got to, you know, put, put, put in that work to really make that, that, that dent to say, hey, NFL, I'm ready. Yep. How how did that go? New coach, you know, just everything. It it was uh it was a lot of pressure. My senior year was filled with pressure. Um, I felt the pressure from the day he got hired, and he, you know, I'll be honest with you, like my junior year, the first three or four games were probably the worst football I played in my career. Um, I, I don't know, I just I had some off the field issues before the season. I came in, I just wasn't in my zone, and I, I played okay, but I wasn't playing great at all. And when we start watching those games, Jim Trestle was the first person to ever tell me, man, I should, he said, he told me, I should have brought my running back from Youngtown State. This is not going to work. You're not good enough to play for me. Straight up. So, but me, being who I am, knowing who I am, now you didn't see the whole story, Coach. You're looking at the first three games of this year. Now we go back to my freshman year, my sophomore year, you'll see what I do. But I say, you know what, Coach? I respect that. It's all good. So I took it as a man, took it on the chin. I was the hardest worker on the team. I won MVP that year. I gave him everything I had. And like I said, we were the ones to break that curse against that team up north. And, you know, a lot of the boys' teams, like, you know, you, you still jump, you still trust us, favorite running back. You know what I mean? I'm like, well, you know, we, we, we worked hard together when he came in. We didn't win. We went like seven and five. We lost a lot of games we could have won. So the season wasn't great. It was a lot of pressure on me, though, because I knew this was my last campaign to get to the next level. Mm-hmm. So the first couple of games, I'm playing well, but I couldn't break that long run. So I think it was the third game. We had a night game coming up against Northwestern University on TV, on ESPN, big game, first night game in the shoe. I called my head. I called JT Curtis the week before the game. I said, Coach, I don't know. Man. I just, I, I'm, I'm running. My work, I'm working hard. I just don't know. I can't break the long run. He said, Jay, that's what you do, man. Just calm down. It's going to happen for you. That's all he told me. 
second play of the game, 72-yarder to the house. Boom, went crazy. And from that point on, my season just took off. You know what I mean? So that, that's kind of how it happened for me, man. But it was a lot of pressure uh, uh, to try to get to the next level for me because I had shown signs of greatness, but I had never put it together because of the injuries. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so what, what, what kept you in it? And just mentally, because, you know, there's some athletes that, that if a coach says, yo, you ain't good enough right now, they, they shut down. Right. They, you know, they look to transfer. They're like, they're just out of yeah. it. You know, yeah. so for you, you were like, all right, I'm going to show you. I knew I was good enough. Like I said, he had only seen two games. So he didn't, he didn't see the 76 yarder I had my sophomore year up in Michigan. He didn't see all the other stuff that I had done. So it was cool. I'm like, all right, whatever. I kind of laughed it off. I'm yeah. like, yeah, okay. You know what I mean? Here from Youngstown State going to beat me out? Yeah, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I took it to heart, but at the same time, I just laughed it off. And I said, you know what? I respect him as a man for telling me face to face. He could have went to the coaching staff and said, I don't like this Wells kid, man. We got to figure something else out. No. He looked me in my eyes as a man and said, bro, you got to get better. And I did. I needed to get better. And I got better. So I, 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 I never took that personal. That's one of my favorite stories to tell because that's as real as it gets. He could have took that information to somebody else and they could have just finagled me out of the playbook like, like, like what happened to me in Houston. You know what I mean? I'd rather you tell me to my face, give me an opportunity to work hard and change your mind. And that's what I did. I think that's great. Just for any, any athlete hearing that, you know, especially like the young athletes, you know, just to hear that. He's like, all right, I'm going to show you. you know, right. Like, like you're going to learn today. Yeah, I never, never once in my mind thought about going nowhere. I said, man, you got me messed up. <laughs> and you, you ain't no, nobody in here is better than me. I don't care what you're talking about. And that was my mentality. Definitely, man. So, so, so going to that next year, going to that NFL dream, mm. you, you're there, you know? And it is still like it's not too big for me? The football part was never too big for me. It was like, it just, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. You know, there's things that you would do differently. You know, I made, off the rip, I made a terrible mistake by going back home to New Orleans to train for the combine. Terrible mistake. Terrible mistake. I come, from partying. I come from partying. New Orleans is a party town. It just was a terrible mistake. You know, my agent gave me my first $100,000. I ain't never seen no money in my life. I lost my mind doing this and doing that instead of just locking in training. I should have went somewhere where I knew nobody. There was nothing but a facility and work to be done. To go home to New Orleans to train, terrible idea. Horrible. So my pro day, it was okay. You know, I ran like a 449, um, 449, but had I trained, I could have really put some shock with because I was easily could have ran a 442, 441. Easily had I trained. I didn't even train. The only, I was overweight until about seven days before my combine. I got sick and was in bed for three, four days and lost 10 pounds. That's the only reason I weighed in at 230. I would have been 240 and would have ran slower. So completely blew it when it came to the, to, to the decision-making out the gate, going home to train. Horrible decision. And so, so, going, so going back to that, like you went home to train, what – what was your thought process behind that? My thought process behind that? Um, 
I don't know what it was. All I can tell you was it was a terrible thought process. Um, you know, I probably was at that point just ready to get out of Ohio, ready to get back home and get around my family. So I'm thinking about it from that perspective. Um, but, you know, I went to one of the best trainers in the world. Now, I went down there to Time Shaw. Um, I had other high-profile players down there training with me. There was work to be done. I just wasn't disciplined enough to lock all the way in. I did, you know, 80% of the work. But at that time, I needed to be 100% in. I did 80% of the work. I didn't go down there and just messing off like that. I did 80% of the work, but I needed to be doing 100, 110. I needed to be doing extra. I needed to come into my, my program at 220 for pro day as opposed to 231 after you've been sick. So that 10, 15, 20 pounds, that definitely cost me on my 40 time. You know what I mean? So it, it just wasn't, it wasn't, a, it was not a great decision. And if I, if I could do it all over again, I would never do that again. What advice would you give future NFL prospect athlete when it comes to that, that whole give, get the in-between prospect, that, that next step, you know, like, 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 like you haven't made it yet, but you're almost there. Oh, it's very simple, man. And most of the guys already understand that. Lock in, you know, go somewhere where you don't have any, any distractions. All you're going there to do is train, sleep, and eat. Train, sleep, and eat over and over and over again. Now, if you want to take you a trip somewhere, you know, once you get your work in, take you a weekend, go back to where you got to go to train all week. But to go somewhere where you're completely comfortable, you know, and it, unless, you know, some people have more discipline. Like I said, I'm a partier. I came from partying. We party when people die in New Orleans. Like, it, that's in my blood. Drinking and partying is a part of my DNA. So I wasn't mature enough to handle that. Some people may be. I mean, I've seen guys, as a matter of fact, Rohan Davey, the quarterback from LSU, he needed to lose weight. We trained together. He lost 20 pounds. He did his thing. Now, he was partying with me every night, but he still did what he had to do to lose his weight. I didn't do that. So that's the difference. So I, I put it all on me. I don't blame nobody else. I had, I told you, Tom Shaw is one of the best trainers in the world. And I was with him every day. So that was on me to do the extra stuff. And, you know, but I, I was home and, you know, it was just, it was just too much. It was too much. Hey, but you didn't make made the Houston. Right. And so you're, 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 you're living the dream that that, that kid had, you know, the NFL. Was, it wasn't a dream for me. It, it, for me, Everything about my process was tough, you know. Now, you know, I rushed for almost 1,400 yards in the Big Ten, you know, nine in the box, no QB. You know, I had, I had the best agent in football at the time, Joe Siegel. So I was expecting to go in the second round, you know what, okay? So, you know, draft day comes, I have a party. You know, at my house, I have the media there. I have all my family, the whole neighborhood. I have a block party, right? Don't get drafted. So you remember, you remember the, the the draft used to be just two days, one mm -hmm. through three and four through seven. I didn't get drafted the first day. So I'm just, I'm distraught because I have my whole family here and I don't get drafted. So can you imagine that? So, you know, I can be brutally honest here, right? So yeah. I, I go out, I go out that night. I'm so distraught. I get pissy drunk. I mean, I'm talking about like crazy drunk out of my mind. Okay. I go to sleep. I wake up. I don't even wake up. I go to sleep. The draft is about to start the next day. I get a phone call. Hey, Jonathan Wells, Charlie Casley, Dom Capers, Houston Texans. We're about to take you the first pick of the next uh, of the fourth, fourth round. So I was the first pick of the next day. Just enough 
to mess up my night. Now, I don't care if I'd have been the last pick of the, of the, of the first day. At least I would have looked like a fool. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But I'm the first pick of the next day. I'm like, I'm like, hey, what's up? I'm, I'm pillow over my head, done. I'm like, oh, hey, coach, what's up? What's going on, man? Yeah. Oh, you ready to be at Houston? Tech? Oh, yes, sir. Boom, 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 boom. Hang up. Go back to the house. Some people show back up. Some people don't. You know, the media came back out, whatever. It just was a bad taste in my mouth because I just didn't feel like some of the running backs that were drafted before me were better than me. I just didn't, you know. But once again, had you took care of business and went all the way in, you probably could have eliminated this problem by having better numbers. By You know, you never know what, what Tom Shaw, he's connected in the NFL circle. He probably telling them, uh... Guys, nah, you know, he's okay. He doesn't work that hard. You know, he's, you never know. These people are all intertwined together. So I could have helped myself by doing the right thing. So I'm mad. I'm going into Houston pissed off and mad. So I'm not going there with this, oh, I'm living my dream mentality. No, I'm mad. So now I'm going to go take somebody's job. That's my mentality. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? So I didn't have that story till uh, draft day. I didn't have it. No, I love that because you're being real about it. And it's just like, it, it hit you with reality. Like, it was almost like now I got to go back to, you know, that other mentality, that other, mm -hmm. that, that dog mentality that I got to go, go eat. Yeah, I mean, but I never lost the dog mentality because even before the, the, the pro day, I went to the senior bowl. Okay. okay. I, was, I wasn't invited to the senior bowl. But only because I had a top-notch agent, he put in a last-minute call, and they said, okay, we'll let him come down. But here's the deal. He has to play fullback, no running back. So I get down there. It's Mike Holmgren and the Seattle Seahawks was my coaching staff. Mike Holmgren was the head coach. I get down there the first day. I got my hand in the ground. Now, mind you, I never played fullback a day in my life. I got my hand in the ground. They got me trying to lead block on people. I'm like, come on. And I'm, I'm dogging. You know, ain't no, listen, physicality, not my problem. I'm, I'm going to do what I can do. I just don't know the technique of this position. I've never done it. But you're not going to handle me at all. So after the first day of practice, I called my agent like, Joe, man, this is not cool, bro. I never played this before. They got me out here doing something I never did in my life. Like, like at least let me get some running back. What's going on? He calls. They're like, okay. We'll give you a little running back tomorrow. We'll let you give you a little one back. You know what I mean? So the next day I go to practice, I get some one back, never came out of the starting lineup. I ended up starting that tailback, not playing another down the fullback. And never again. just took everybody's job there, period. I was one of the most talked about, most written about athletes at the senior bowl. So football-wise, I always took care of business. That's never been the problem. Now, off the field training, you know, I've had some lapses there. But football, dude, I'm going to be one of the top one or two on the team. I don't care who you bring in here. I don't care. Nobody's about to outplay me at this position. Not consistently. They're not going to do it. So, you know, I had a great senior bowl, which led me to believing I would be a second-round pick. So that's the lead-up to that. Yeah. So, so, so now you're in Houston. You're angry. You're, you're pissed off. You're like, yo, I, I'm, I'm better than what I was selected as. Yeah. How, how did that rookie season go? The rookie season went actually went really well. The only thing that I would take back from the rookie season, I worked, I worked my ass off my rookie year. I worked hard in, in Houston. Every time they had an extra workout, I was there. I did everything they asked me to do and beyond. Now, mind you, we're a new franchise. 
this is the first year of the franchise, David Carr, Jabbar Gaffney, you know, uh, Chester Pitts, all of we call coming together. So we end up having seven rookies start on offense alone. Oh, so you're looking at a recipe for disaster when you have that many rookies starting in the National Football League. So from the standpoint of working hard, being disciplined, doing what I needed to do, did that. No complaints. I, nobody, no coach can tell me different. Nobody. I worked my ass off. Now, the only thing I would change, like, they ended up not starting me until the sixth game of the year. I feel like I really should have started from day one. I earned that spot. I was the best play, I was the best running back on that team. But they had a veteran, which is a great friend of mine, James Allen. He was coming in from the Chicago Bears. He had just had 1,200 rushing yards. So they weren't just going to throw the rookie out there. They, they, they let him start. But, you know, six weeks into the season, they end up making a switch. Now, mind you, our offensive line play, you know, we were just young. I'm not going to say it was trash. We were very immature on the offensive line. We had a rookie at quarterback, a rookie at fullback, a rookie at running back, a rookie, a rookie at wide receiver, and multiple linemen were rookies. So that didn't go well. That's the year that we broke the sack record. David Carr literally got smashed. We broke the sack record by like 20 sacks, 30 sacks. He got sacked like, I want to say, 69, 75 times, something crazy. So now mind you trying to be the running back behind this. It, it, it just it wasn't fun when it came to that. Now, I still ended up with almost 600 yards. Now, had they started me all 16 games, I still get 1,000 yards behind that line. That sends my career to another trajectory. So that's I'm mad about that now. But once again, I'm saying I'm mad. I never complained. I never went to no coaches. I never said nothing in the media. I did everything the right way. This is the inner anger building up in me, which led to, you know, my career ending how it ended down the line. So going to go into that, you know, you're coming in with a bunch of rookies. You know, it's it's like you're, you're all you're all trying to learn, right? And but what was it ever the mentality is like some people were just were, were happy just to be there. No, I don't think so. I think I think everybody on that football team gave everything they had. We just we just weren't as talented as you know guys who had veterans. That's all. Everybody gave what they had. Nobody slacked. Nobody was talking about we just happy to be here. No, we worked hard, and I made sure we worked hard. I set the bar. Listen, you touch the ball as a running back, wide receiver, tight end. You sprint to the goal line, you jog back. I put that in place. The coaches didn't do it. I said, look, because that's what I did at Ohio State. I did that in high school. I'm used to that. Dude, you touch the ball, you score. To get it in your head, used to scoring. Jog back. You know what I mean? So we worked hard. It, it wasn't about that. It was just, we were just outgunning our man. Mm -hmm. Now, defensively, we had a great freaking defense. Now, in the supplemental draft, they went out and got Jamie Sharper, Gary Walker, Aaron Glenn. I mean, we had three or four Pro Bowlers on defense that year. So the defense was phenomenal. Just we just did we didn't have enough experience on the offensive side of the ball to to win a lot of games. We ended up winning. I think we won four games. We could have easily won eight or nine games that year had we had you know more explosive on the offensive side of the ball. But being able to see that those defensive guys play what was a treat in itself. And boy, they balled out. I got to give them their props. Love it. So 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 how how did the career ultimately end up ending, or just ultimately kind of just taking taking a turn? The, you know, I didn't, I didn't realize this until probably three or four years ago as I sat back and went through my life. I made a terrible decision. One decision cost me my career. I told you I had the best agent in football going into the NFL, Joe Siegel. 
Now, mind you, Joe Siegel, only, he only represented first-rounders. That's the only reason he took me on. He figured, well, I, I had a personal friend that he was, you know, really cool with. So he took me on because of that, and he thought I would be a second-round pick. Now, as I'm going through my seasons or whatever, I get in my ego, and I feel like he's not paying me enough attention. Uh-oh. Okay. So it, he can't even do nothing because, first of all, you're a restricted free agent. You're only getting limited playing time here and there. So it's nothing that he can really go out there and make happen for you. But in my mind at the time, I'm like, he's not paying me enough attention. So after my third year, I fire him. Okay, right. So me and my, you know, me and my dad came over to the city and said, you know what, let's go with a guy, smaller guy, who's going to give you all the attention and pay attention to you and you'll be his priority. Because I knew I wasn't his priority. But that wasn't the point. I still should have never fired that man. So I, I, I hired this new guy. I played my last year out, have a good year. My last three games, I end up starting. We win a couple of games, couple of the games. I ball out. So going into free agency, I'm the number four running back on the on the free agency list. So I'm gonna get a three year deal, ten million, fifteen, something, you know, some whatever the money was around that time. I'm gonna be cool. I'm gonna be cool. So free agency starts. I get no calls the first week. I get no calls the second week. I get no calls throughout the whole free agency. I'm asking this agent, like, bro, what is going on? Like, Jay, I don't know what's happening. I don't understand. Mind you, I missed my whole free agency. Gone. So at this time, in my mind, I'm like, oh, football must be over. It's done. So I go to Atlanta. I got a call from one of my boys from New Orleans to start a record label. So, because I don't get any calls, I go to Atlanta. I stop training. I'm like, oh, it must be over. I don't know what happened. I'm in Atlanta doing my thing with my label. My mother calls me. She's like, John, you'll never guess who just called the house. I'm like, who? She's like, the Indianapolis coach just called the house. I said, well, for what? She said, they said, you don't have an agent on file, so nobody know how to get in contact with you. This dude never turned in my paperwork to the <sighs> NFL. Never turned in my paperwork to the NFL, bro. On everything. I was, my mom would come down here and tell you. I'm like, what? Dude, I missed over $10, $15 million messing with this dude. Now, mind you, had I stuck with Joe Siegel just because of his strength and his connections, that man would have went and got me a $15, $20 million deal. Easy. Clockwork. So, Dude. that's how my career ended. Now, you know, once I find out what's going on, I hire Bus Cook. Bus Cook was Randy Moss's agent, uh, uh, Brett Favre, because I almost went with Bus coming out of college, but I chose Joe. So I called Bus. I'm like, Bus, man, told him what have you like. Yeah, I'll take you on. So, you know, he, as soon as I take him on, I knew it wasn't a fluke because as soon as I take him on, I got a call the same week. I'm like, what? Man. So, but mind you, I'm out of shape. As I haven't worked out in about a month or two now. So I go to the Minnesota Vikings. I never forget it. Eric B. Enemy is the running back coach down there. Man, that man almost killed me in that workout. That man ran my heart out of my body. And I almost died. <laughs> they was like, thank you, but no thank you. <laughs> so I said, all right, cool. I go back to Houston, get back on my training for a month or two. Right, the last preseason game. Now, this is, this is how my career ended. Last preseason game, they got one game left. The, my, the Indianapolis coach called again. And say, Jay, we want you to come up Sunday, Sunday night, and uh, you know, we're gonna do our thing. I said, cool. So I'm ready, I'm in shape now, I'm confident, I'm like, I'm gonna kill it. The day before I leave, the Miami Dolphins call. 
Jade, don't go to Indianapolis. Come here first. So I called Bus. He like, well, you know, Dom Cable's there. Dom was my head coach in Houston. He had got fired. Now he's a deep, the deep, uh, the deepest coordinator for the Dolphins. Nick Saban is the head coach at this time, 2006. So I say, I said, well, I'll go to Miami first because I know Dom there. You know, that's cool. I, I, I like Dom. Dom good dude. I go down there, killing the workout, <laughs> dogging. Nick Saban standing on the balcony. He blow the whistle in the middle of the workout. Man, we good. I've seen enough. Let's go. Call me inside. Sit me down just like this and tell me, Jonathan, today you're my second string running back. It's Ronnie Brown, then it's you. Sammy Morris is getting suspended for, for the first four games of the season. You're my second string guy right now today. What do you think I do? The ego. Was like, no, 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 no ego. No ego. It wasn't an ego thing. I called my dad. I say, you know, I got a contract right here. I got a, I got a one-year deal right here for almost a million dollars on the table. All I had to do was sign it right here, right here. My dad like, nah, nah, don't don't sign with them. You just came from Houston. Y'all won two games last year. They're going to suck. You know, go, go play with Peyton Manning. And my dad like, go up there and play with Peyton. You at least going to make it to the playoffs. I'm like, yeah. But in my stomach, in my heart, I'm like, Dude, everybody coming in here. Dante Cole Pepper was a quarter. Big Well, man, come on, let's go. What you doing? What you waiting on? I sat in there for two hours with that contract, tried to call my high school coach. I'm trying to get, you know, because I was already scheduled to go to Indy. Mind you, I was still scheduled to go to Indy the same night. So I'm like, I sat in there, and my dad, he, he's like, man, go play with Peyton. You at least going to make the playoff. I turned him down. I told him no. Left it on the table. Boom, right? So I leave the facility. This is the only time I can say I had a gut feeling about someone. I left that facility, the Dolphins facility, I almost threw up. Like my stomach was in knots. Not only that, my flight got canceled, so I had to spend an extra night in Miami. Oh, man. So I get, listen, I fly out to Indianapolis Monday morning, and when I get off the plane, it's like a funeral. It's gray, it's ugly. I'm like, oh my God, I just left South Beach, oh my God. I get to the facility, Tony Dungy don't speak to me. Peyton Manning don't speak to me. I'm like, wow. So I knew as soon as I stepped in there that they had they, they, were, they had no, they could care less that I was there. I knew this. I knew it. I called my dad the first night. I said, listen, man, these people couldn't care less that I'm in the building, dog. I'm telling I know where I'm wanted at. He's like, oh, you speaking negative? I'm like, nah. I'm telling you, I, I've been around. These people couldn't care less that I'm here, period. Needless to say, we go through the week of practice or whatever. It's the last preseason game. I got one play in the preseason game. Friday, I mean, the next day, Saturday, I came to the Ohio State game with Mike Doss, and they called me and cut me while I was on the sideline at the Ohio State game. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how that story went. And then probably like a month or two later, I got a call from the Seahawks, went out there, last drill, blew out my calf muscle. <laughs> last play. Mm -hmm. So I wrapped it up. By this time, I just seen so much negative cycle. I'm like, you know what, man? Screw football. I'm about to mm -hmm. go to my record label thing. That's how my career ended. Man, that's that's a journey. You wanna talk about you wanna talk about somebody suicidal? You wanna talk just from starting to never playing again to go from starting to changing agent agent couldn't do a job you lose 10 mil 
go to making almost making one meal, turn it down to get nothing. No, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the story is nuts. All one thousand percent facts. Man, I'm trying to just like process that that yeah. whole turn turn of events. Yeah, it's like I was, everything's going great to just it just starts spiraling out of control. And it all started with one decision. I should have never fired Joe Siegel. Period. So so I, I imagine right now you're you're mentally just distraught, probably. Just like so, no, I'm gonna try to be honest with you. My ego kicked in now, and my whole thought process was now, you know what, man, screw the NFL. I'm I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go make my five, ten million by owning a record label. Because I knew if I could get one artist to hit off, I could realistically make five or ten million dollars with one in, artist. In Atlanta, you you ready? You like I'm in the A. So I I'm like, I'm like, listen, don't talk to me about no football. I hated football. The only football you could talk to me about was John Curtis or Ohio State. I don't want to hear nothing about the NFL. Now, mind you, I'm mad at the NFL. The NFL ain't do nothing to me. You had every opportunity to continue to play. You made bad decisions. What you mad at them for? I realized that later. But mm -hmm. during this time, I'm like, man, don't talk to me about no NFL. I don't watch the NFL. I don't want to hear about no NFL. None of that. So I go straight all in on the music. I'm all in. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And we actually get it done. We get a deal. We, we you know, I'm, you might have heard a song, It Ain't Tricking If You Got It by Malachi. Yeah. That's my group. I signed them to Sony. In three go. years out of the NFL, I signed these boys to a $1.5 million deal to Sony Records. Hey. So, but here's, here's, the, here's the next hurdle. I signed that deal, but imagine signing that deal and knowing that because, because I was more of an investor at that time. I would go back and forth because I still was living in Houston, but I was more of an investor on that deal. I let my partner more and more or less take care of the business. Mm -hmm. And because business wasn't done the right way, we end up getting blackballed. The same day we signed the deal, imagine finding out, oh, y'all about to get blackballed. That's not going nowhere. <laughs> like, it was like, so when that happened, I was like, oh my God, I just put all my life and all my money into this shit. And you mean to tell me I'm getting at I get to the I get to the finish line again and get denied? I went into a tank. That's when I went into the tank. Because right after football, I still have music to keep me believing. Like I'm still gonna get to my destination. But when that one got slammed in my face, it was like, oh my God, what am I about to do? I was lost. Yeah. I get that because I feel like as athletes, we, we kind of have like these, like a web of ourselves, you know, like we have ourselves in the middle. It's like what, what, what we're good at, you know, there's athletes, they're creative, you know, all the other stuff. And you lost those two, like the creative and the, and the athlete. And you were like, crap, what is the third option for me? Boy, like, listen, at this time, I, I literally put everything I had into that label. So, you know, I made some, I made some of my money back, but not nearly what I put into that, that, that situation. But, it was like, man, bro. It was like, I, at this time, I'm feeling like I'm cursed up. Man, what the hell is going on? Like, I'm getting, like, doing all the right things. Like, how could you do all this work and get a deal in three years? Most people don't get a deal for 10 years at this time. This is before social media. Ain't no social media right now. We talking about 2006, 7, 8, 9. You know, ain't no social media. So we did this grinding, hustling in the streets every day. So to get that, that rug pulled from underneath me, it, it hurt. It hurt. It hurt bad. It hurt bad. 
when it hurt, it, it was almost like it was almost like a cloud over you, right? Mm. And like the cloud, and you can't and you can't see through it. You're just like I'm just yeah. Like, how did you how did you start start seeing the light, or how did you start coming out of that? Man, oh, it took a while because I mean, after that deal got slammed shut. It, my life has been crazy. I ended up going back. I left the situation because I didn't like how it was handled. I left and went back to Houston. Now, mind you, I got nothing at this point besides a couple of dollars I made back from this deal. But I, I literally invested damn near seven figures into this company. Now, the only money that I made my last year, I put all of that into this company. Because once again, I didn't know anything about business. I panicked. My, my NFL career ended, ended so abruptly. I didn't do it. There's no way I thought I was going to play four years. I at least thought I was going to do six, eight years easy. And even if I just played special teams, I could have did that. But it ended so abruptly, it's like I panicked. Like, damn, I got to go all in on this now. You know, I didn't get no counsel. You know what I mean? I just, I just start cutting checks and just trying to get it done, at which we got it done. But the business wasn't handled right. So it ended up not being nearly as lucrative. That song, Tricking, was top 15 in the country. Now, mind you, T.I. and Grand Hustle, we were supposed to do a deal with them because he was on the first initial song. He was on the hook. He wasn't on the song, but he was sampled into the hook. So because the business wasn't done right, he put out a cease and assist on the record. So the radio stations had to stop playing it in one day. This song was going to number one in the country. That song was shooting up the charts. He put out the cease and assist. Every radio station in the country stopped playing it in one day. And we signed to Sony, and he's at Atlantic. So he's already made them 20, 30, 40, 50 million dollars. Who do you think they're going to side with? We didn't stand a chance. So by now, and I don't blame him because business was done bad on, on you know, on our part. Some of it, you know, I, I, I still have, eh, I feel a certain way, but. I understand where they were coming from. So, you know, I can't, I can't, I can't deny what actually happened. So, um, you know, that, that's kind of, that's kind of how that went, man. But a lot of prayer, um, a lot of just, I don't know. I honestly, I don't even know how I made it through that, that, that period. Like it was just a lot of, it, they, it was heavy. It was heavy. Mm -hmm. Between 2009 and 2000, Probably 2009 and 2011 was terrible, horrible years. But I ended up going back to Atlanta in 2011 and trying again. I, I came up on some bread. I went back to the A. Um, did the same thing. Got back in the trenches, you know. Diversified a little bit. Got another deal with, uh, with Capitol Records. For like three of my artists, I ended up getting a label deal this time. And, you know that didn't work out either. So, you know, at, at that point, I'm like, you know what? I'm done with the music right now. I'm coming back to Ohio. And the best thing that happened to me, I ended up getting back with my ex-girlfriend from college. She was stable, doing her thing. And she's helped me piece my life back together. And uh, that's been the best thing that happened to me was, was, was finding her, that to keep her Hey, <laughs> sometimes it's the girl that does it for you, right? Yeah, so, you yeah. know, now we got we got things going on right now that, you know, we got a couple of things ready to blow through the roof right now. But, man, it's been a journey, man. That's why I know. I mean, I got a story that I can tell. I can help people. My whole thing now, just like you say, helping athletes to not make the type of decisions that I made. All of these all of these decisions were me. I can't. I don't blame nobody but Jonathan Wells. I made all these decisions. 
And, you know, that's why the last 10 years has been as tough as it, as it has been. It didn't have to be this tough. But I believe yeah. it happens for a reason. Mm. Um, you know, had I made all that money back then, where as dumb as I was business-wise, somebody probably would have stole it from me anyway. You know what I mean? So you got to look at it. You know, if things don't happen to you, they happen for you. And, I, you know, I'm staying positive. You know what I mean? So I, I'm going to get to where I want to be. But it's just some more work that got to be done. I love it. I, I love this whole journey. You know, it goes from like the, the storybook to like just crashing. You're like, all right, now we, we got to rebuild. Yeah. What's next for you? You know, you know more stuff with the NFL and the military. So what's all going on there? It's not really an NFL project. Um, okay. I just I actually, uh, the Texans actually just sent me over to um, Abu Dhabi, Qatar, and Djibouti, Africa. Um, they sent three former players and 10 cheerleaders over for Super Bowl week. So we went over for about 10 days. We visited four military bases in the three countries, and we watched the Super Bowl in Abu Dhabi with the troops. So that was an amazing experience. Uh, got to learn so much about the military, stuff that I just took for granted and didn't know, you know, their living conditions, how they live over there. It was just, it was just crazy to see it in person, and I just have just such a high admiration for those guys. And I, as, I, as I talk to more and more of them, you know, a lot of them just – you know, feel they aren't being treated right. They, they signed up for something that maybe they didn't know. I don't know. But they're still there to serve their country, and they're still dedicated 100% to the job. And just for that, you know, I just want to give them a platform, uh, like when they come home, to be able to tell their stories, make sure that they're getting their benefits, they're being taken care of. You know, I'm an advocate of all of that. And as well for former, athlete, for, for former NFL athletes. You know, I think we should be taken care of for the rest of our lives as far as insurance, and things of that nature, because we put our bodies on the line, you know, bodies breaking down, we brain injuries, all kind of stuff going on right now. You know what I mean? So I'm an advocate for the former athlete and for the veteran to give them a platform and, and you know, to do documentaries on people's lives and give them somewhere to, you know, just vent. Because sometimes that's all it takes. This Like this for me is therapeutic because I don't get to tell people this story that much. So that's why I'm working on my own documentary so where I can just get all of this out and just move on with my life because sometimes that's all it takes for you to just have somebody to vent to True. and just let it out. So after doing this, so what what's like your, your ultimate goal with it? Like you just want to just share stories and like what's, what's the big picture for you? I mean, my ultimate goal is to build a, a really huge media company, you know, that just gets the word out. You know, I, I definitely want to get back into the music side of things, you know, with some soundtracks and things that go along with the documentaries. And ultimately, you know, uh, got a couple of sports reality shows I've shot some sizzle reels for. So just trying to get out here, continue to make content that's, that's you know, that's worth it, that gives back, that educates people. Um, and just, you know, like I said, allow people to tell their story. So, you know, that's my whole thing with that. My wife has some great companies going on. Um, so, you know, got a lot of things in the fire. I got a lot of great mentors around me right now that are helping me. I, that's another thing. I didn't have any mentors. I didn't, I didn't, well, I had some, I didn't use them, especially in football. Like, when I was going through my thing in football, I should have tapped back into Eddie George. Eddie, man, let me come train with you. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I had people like that around me, but I wasn't smart enough to tap into those people because Eddie would have told me, Jay, man, what are you talking about? Yeah, you can do your music on the side, but you need to be playing football, you know? So I got with people that were, oh, you're damn the NFL. You know, we're we going to do it ourselves as opposed to going get around people like, dude, what are you talking about? No, we're going to get back in the NFL. Damn all of that. So... <laughs> all about who you associate yourself with which is what we went back to the beginning of the project you know what i mean so um got some big things coming man i do radio here in cleveland 92.3 the fan 
Um, you know, definitely I do a lot of Facebook live on, on my, on my Facebook. So just getting, get myself out there, you know, speaking on sports, you know, giving my opinion. And, uh, you know, one day I could be the Howard Stern of sports. <laughs> Dang, there we go. That's, there we that's go. what I want to do. Love it, man. Like, so I guess one last question for you or, or two more questions for you. So if you can give any advice to any athlete listening to this, like, like what would you want to just them to just learn from your journey? Man, listen, get mentors now. Get mentors. Start thinking outside of the game because let's be clear, 98% of guys will never play a dominant NFL, number one. So the majority of us need to be playing outside the NFL anyway. So don't wait until you get out of college to start making these relationships. There's so many influential people that you're going to school with. Their parents are, are CEOs. Their parents are run banks. Their parents do all these different things. You can't just be in college to have fun. Mm -hmm. I didn't think about no business while I was in school. I just was there to have fun and play football. Terrible mentality. I should have been there networking, finding people that once I got, even if I made it to the NFL, that I could lean on, teach me business, help me with smart investments. Like, I didn't think about no business until I was done playing football. And then I just jumped all in. I didn't, I didn't think about that. That just came out the blue and I, I didn't have nothing else to do. So I'm like, okay, cool. And just went. Like, man, plan, be strategic, be specific about what you want to do on the field and off. I didn't have any goals. My only goal was to make it to the NFL. So I made it. But I didn't say I want to be rookie of the year. I didn't go back and study the stats and say, how many yards did the running backs have that one rookie of the year? Oh, I'm going to need to get 1,400 yards. I didn't go back and say I want to be a pro bowler. I didn't have any specific rules. It was too just I want to make the NFL. So I made it. But have specific goals that you read and look at every single day. Read them out loud to yourself. Get them in your subconscious mind. And then you'll do the work. Your body will have to do the work to make that happen. I just didn't have a plan. That's all. And that, if I went back, I would just have a better, more specific plan of what I wanted to do in, I mean, on and off the field. Love it. And then one last question for you is website, social media that we can kind of plug right now. We can go follow you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, on, on, um, on Instagram, J. Wells, Jonathan Wells, uh, at J. Wells, J. Wells Media Group. Um, it's, it's my Instagram. My Facebook is Jonathan Wells. Um, and then what else? LinkedIn, Jonathan Wells. Uh, what was the other side? I'm on Twitter a little bit. I think it's JW underscore media group. Um, so I, I'm on all platforms, but the most platforms I'm really using is Facebook right now. LinkedIn, I'm heavy on that. And then, um, Instagram, I'm about to get a lot more active on my Instagram because once again, I missed the social media wave. I just got on, on, on all this stuff maybe a year ago. So my numbers, you're not working on getting all my numbers and stuff up right now, but you know, that that's where you can find me at, man. And, and Johnson, thanks for on just being real, man. Like I appreciate you just oh, yeah. your honesty, man. Just, just telling how, how it was. Yeah, it's life, baby. We're going to keep it pushing. As long as I'm here, I still got a hope. I still got a shot. I'm good. I'm going to get to my destination. Breaking the curse. Yes, sir. Yo, thanks for listening to this episode of the Nine Point Started With A Dream podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please comment, share, leave a review. We would love to hear your thoughts. You can find more athlete-driven content at ninepoint.com. Till the next episode, you're only one opportunity away. Peace.